Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good? Amen. Amen. I can work with that. All right. Here we go. Um, so we're in John chapter 4 today. And just sit tight. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to read you guys 30 verses out of, out of John chapter 4, all right? So just, just relax. Don't go to sleep on me. I don't have that good of a reading voice. So, uh, so here we go. So in John chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizes more disciples than John. Although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. He left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink from the water that I will give will become in them a spring water of gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. We're halfway there. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband, Jesus husband, Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city she said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. My hope for this morning is that we could take an honest assessment of our soul and the sources that we tap into to quench our thirst. Somebody say tap in. What are we tapping into to quench our thirst. What, what, what 
sources are we using to hydrate our soul? What can we learn from this dialogue, this conversation, a lengthy conversation that Jesus has with this Samaritan woman? In our first few verses, we find Jesus headed back to Galilee. Now, in this time, many Jews like Jesus, they would have traveled around Samaria to get to Galilee. This is because the Samaritans were viewed by Jews as not fully Jewish, and they were viewed as unclean under Jewish law. So to pass through Samaria was to become unclean. And a Jewish rabbi like Jesus would have definitely supposed to have adhered strictly to these kind of social laws and rules. But in verse 4 of John, it says he had to go. It says he had to go. He left, he left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. John says, we, we were just, you know, we were leaving Judea, we were headed back to, Gal to Galilee, but Jesus, he just had to go through Samaria. Why did Jesus just have to go through Samaria, this place that he shouldn't be traveling through, right? That was uncommon for him. He had to go through Samaria. So we, what we see here right off the bat is Jesus intentionally going to Samaria and breaking through religious and ethnic barriers right off the bat, right? He sits at a well and waits at noon. A woman approaches and he asks her for some water. This conversation is one that in the time and place should not have occurred. We've already addressed the barrier Jews had towards Sumerian, Samaritans, but this Samaritan was a Samaritan woman. And in the culture of Jesus' time, men rarely would just speak to, woman in this, to a woman in this kind of manner, especially a rabbi like Jesus. So this was unconventional, maybe a bit scandalous for Jesus to be doing this. So what do we have here? We have Jesus breaking down some ethnic barriers, some religious barriers, some gender barriers, all in one encounter, Jesus is breaking through these cultural barriers. And isn't it like our God to show the dignity, to show the value in all humans? From that time until now, humans, we're really good at drawing lines. We're really good at distinguishing between who is in and who is out? Who am I going to associate with and who am I not going to associate with? We're great at drawing lines between ourselves and other humans based off of qualities or circumstances that we just don't like, right? But while we draw lines to keep people out, I'm here today to tell you about a Jesus who crosses lines to bring people in. It's a line-crossing kind of love that our God has for us. And we can, we can keep building all these lines and, 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 and forming all these lines and keeping people out. But Jesus keeps crossing them. And I think that we should grab a hold of Jesus' social ethic, Jesus' racial ethic, Jesus' gender ethic. Right here off the gate, we see Jesus setting a new standard that's to even today that we're still trying to catch up to. Jesus crosses lines to bring people in. And as much as we may try to keep people out as humanity, Jesus is still in the year 2022 trying to bring all people in to ascribe value to all people, to ascribe humanity to all people. And I think we can glean something from this rabbi Jesus in this scenario. That's the gospel of our God. It's a line-crossing 
good news that's been made available to all. That there's neither Jew or Gentile for all are one in Christ. I mean, this woman who later has a revelation that, you know what, this could be the Messiah. She heads back to town and here we have the first evangelist in the book of John. A Samaritan woman. I don't need to go here, but, you know, today there's still some churches and denominations debating on whether a woman should preach. I see Jesus right here empowering a woman. So you go tell this good news. You go preach this gospel. As far as Jesus is concerned, there's nothing to debate, right? Because Jesus is for the empowerment of all people. Jesus is for the dignity and the value of humanity. And I just love the, 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 um, the scandalous grace that Jesus has. I love the line-crossing love that Jesus has in this moment. And I love that he goes ahead and says, listen, this gospel, this good news that I'm preaching about, it's going gonna, it's gonna to include a lot more people than what you thought it was. So this is why I love Jesus. He had to go to Samaria because he had to show us this wellspring of life is available to all. Jesus asks, he, he, he waits at the well and he asks for a drink of water. And she's confused because she doesn't have a bucket. He does, Jesus doesn't have a bucket. So Jesus would have to drink from hers. Jesus begins hinting at who he is. He says, if you knew. And after that, she questions him. And again in verse 13, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty. Again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal light, eternal life. At this point, I'm thinking, Jesus, she wants the living water. She says it. She says, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. But there's something else that Jesus is wanting to do to establish who he is and what this water really is to help make sure she fully understands. So I'm thinking, Jesus, you did it. She wants the living water. Mission accomplished. Let's go. Call up the band. Altar call right now. She's ready to receive, right? But no, Jesus gives the next directive. He says, go, call your husband, and come back. The woman answers, I have no husband, and leaves it at that. Jesus says, that is correct. You've had five, and the one you're with now is not your husband. Now, this exchange on the surface for all of us seems a bit awkward, right? And it seems to paint this woman in a bad light. Now, we don't have a lot of context about her situation, but we do know that culturally in this time that women in marriages were seen as property. A woman could not file for a divorce. Only the husband had divorcing powers. So this woman has, we could you know, build some cultural context around this. She's either had um, five times her husband die, which could be likely, and, and she maybe had to marry uh, her husband's brother, you know, or, or another relative, or could have been divorced by these previous, one or five of these previous husbands. We don't know the full story. We know that a single woman in this time had a very, very hard life, so marriage was essential. So what do we make of this exchange? Is Jesus calling out the woman's sin? Is this some sort of admonishment? Is this a gotcha, right? 
Is Jesus trying to cast shame and put this woman in a bad light in this moment? Knowing the character of Jesus, I believe we confidently say that Jesus is highlighting her marriages and her current situation as a way to, one, establish himself as the Messiah, that he really is all-knowing, that he really is omniscient. And to make sure that she knows that when Jesus is presenting living water to her, he is promising this living water to her. And he does so with the full knowledge of the difficulty in the weight that she carries. See, this woman came to the well at noon alone. Culturally, we would understand that common practice would have been to come in the cool of the morning. And to come with a group of other women for help and for socialization, to chat. To talk. This is a woman who didn't want to chat, who didn't, who didn't want to be with the group. She came alone when no one else would be there. This is somebody who's ashamed. And clearly she carries shame because of her story. Whatever that story may be, we don't know. We're not reading in between the lines. We just understand that she's in a situation. Has anybody ever been in a situation? You know what I'm saying? A situation? Life ever been a little bit complex? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to talk about this or I don't really know how to share this. And you're carrying it. And it's hanging on you. And you're like, ah, I don't. If they knew, if they knew, they'd think differently of me. So whether by her own fault or by external factors, she is left with a weight of guilt, a void in her soul, a weariness that Jesus exposes only to present himself as the one to satisfy the thirst she feels in her soul. Jesus wasn't just trying to call out her complicated life. He was leading her toward a revelation that would change her life. Does the enemy have you focused on your sin? Is this Christian life that you're leading just one big exercise of sin management? Oh, how Jesus longs to satisfy your soul for you to thirst no more. So thinking about thirst and thinking about sources that we may look to reliably or unreliably, I thought about, you know, the importance of water, the importance that we drink water. And as I thought about this message, I thought about, you know, dehydration and, and you know, things we look to to quench our thirst, even in the natural, right? And I love that Jesus is kind of playing these two things together, right? So she's coming in the natural for water, needs water. Water was essential in this time, right? Have you ever thought, think about a time when you've been really thirsty, right? Like really thirsty. Like I got, like, I got to have some water, right? So in Jesus' time, you know, water was, was essential. I mean, now we've got it bottled every which way you would want water, you know. It's mostly pretty accessible, you know, for us in our, in our society. We have pretty good access to water. In Jesus' time, I mean, cities were built around wells. I mean, these wells were important. So this woman's coming to this well, this place that she's dependent upon. She needs this water from this well. And Jesus is saying, no, you need this water from this well. Right, so Jesus is playing these two things together. I mean, the water is important. Him being at this well is important. He's drawing this analogy. He's saying, listen, listen, yeah, I get it. You're under, you, you are dependent in the natural on this well, but your soul must be dependent upon something else. 
or else the situation will only beget more thirst. The situation you may find yourself in will only lead to, to, to less satisfaction. There is a satisfaction that you can find in this well, this living water that will quench your thirst forevermore. So I love what Jesus is doing here. So you know, as, I, as I think about thirst and I think about some of my go-tos in the natural, right? I brought some of them with me today, all right? Just a couple, all right? So I got my little cooler here. And uh, so when I'm thirsty, you know, one of the, my go-tos, this is probably the same for you guys. Now I'm going to pull this out and you guys are going to be confused, but just let me explain for a moment, all right? So what I've got here is I've got some sweet tea. All right. Now, you guys are like, Mark, that doesn't look, what, what's going on here? Well, see, this is in a vegetable juice bottle. If you go to somebody's house and you open up the refrigerator and they've got sweet tea and they're keeping it in some sort of, you know, container that was not originally meant for sweet tea, you know that tea's going to be good. I mean, in the South, I mean, you just know this, that, that tea's going to be good. And so this tea comes from my nana and papa's house on my wife's side, all right? And this is Blythe Island tea because it's made with their well water over on Blythe Island. So it's got a little bit different taste to it. You, you know what I mean? Some of y'all might not like it, but I particularly really like it. Nana and papa drop it off every Sunday, all right? When I get home today, there's going to be a fresh one, all right? Thank you, nana and papa. I love you so much. And so... This is one of my go-tos right here. I love some sweet tea. You know, it's one of my favorite brown sugar waters right here, right? And it's got water in it, right? It's got water. There's some water in here. And I can keep my cup filled with this all day long, right? And I can get through the day and I can be like, man, I'm thirsty. Man, I'm still thirsty. Ah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Gosh, I'm, even, I'm, I'm still more thirsty, right? And so, you know, uh, this, is, this is one of them. Now, my all-time favorite since I was young is this one right here. A little classic Coke, okay? Classic Coke in the can, all right, is how I like to enjoy it. With a glass, right, and some ice cubes. I've got some ice cubes right here. And, you know, hold on. Oh, yeah. Some of you guys right now, you can feel it on your tongue. You know what's about to happen, you know? And so I've got my eyes, and there's something about the taste of it in the can, cold, but in a glass with some ice, and the fizzle, the pop, the sizzle. And then when you take that sip and you're kind of thirsty and... Something about that bite... On the back of your mouth, it just, I mean, it just, it does it for me, right? I just, I love it. I love it. I've always loved it. And, and man, I go to it. But as much as I love quenching my thirst with some classic Coca-Cola in a glass with ice, I'll only be thirsty in just a little while, right? I'll only be thirsty. It's not going to quench my thirst the way I want it to. Yeah, there's some water in there, but there's a bunch of other stuff. And you think it, it's kind of, it's sweet, you know what I mean? And it's got a lot of components to it that I really like. And it's convenient in that way. And, and, and just the whole packaging, I mean, just the red can, I'm just, I'm drawn to it, right? And there's some things in this world that we're drawn to. And it has our attention and it tastes good. It's going to leave us thirsty, wanting more. Bishop Jakes says it this way, 
Are you going to the well that pacifies or the well that satisfies? There's a well that satisfies. So I was in Target a couple weeks ago. This is before I was even really, you know, honing in on this message. And there was this water, right? So, so these are two of my go-to, you know, some of you guys maybe have your own, you know, different, you know, maybe there's some water in it, but there's a bunch of other stuff as well. And so at the end of the day, we need some water. And I found this water in Target. And it's this water, and y'all see this, you're like, is that 2% milk? No, it's not. It's water. And it's this water right here. You see it says water. Just water. It's called just water. Just water. It's just water. It's just water. That's all it is, just water. And it's this nice eco-friendly uh, container um, that, you know, I really like that. I think that's pretty cool. And, uh, and so it's just water, and it's straight from, you know, a spring, just 100% spring water, right? Okay? This is water. It's just water. It's just water. So as I was thinking about this message and thinking about some of the sources that I go to for hydration, I think about the fact that there's those times where I'm drinking so much tea or I'm drinking so much soda that I realize, man, I just need water. I just need water. Like just, just water. My soul needs water. My body needs water. If I'm going to stay hydrated, I need to drink some water, just water. And as I think about my soul, I realize that there's some times where I just need Jesus. Just Jesus, just Jesus, right? Not Jesus and, not Jesus plus, not Jesus cosign with a bunch of other things that aren't really Jesus. I just need, I need Jesus, 100% Jesus. The marketing uh, line with just water says straight from the source. I need Jesus straight from the source. Holy Spirit within me, a wellspring of life stirring up inside of my soul. I just need water. I just need Jesus. It's delicious. It's nothing like it. And it's not as, you know, it doesn't have that same bite as the Coca-Cola does. It doesn't have the same sweetness and sugar and just all the other good stuff that comes with Nana and Papa's tea. But it's water. And it's what my body needs. I'm made of water. And so my soul may be thirst from things. And my soul is spirit. And I need spirit. I need Jesus just Jesus, just Jesus, straight from the source. I wonder if there's anybody today that would recognize as I'm talking about this and we're drawing some of these analogies and you say, yeah, I need Jesus. And I've needed Jesus and I've had Jesus and I hopefully will continue to have Jesus. But today, I need Jesus. I recognize my need for Jesus. And there's been some times where I've let my thirst just prolong too long. And I'm desperate for Jesus. And I wonder if there's anybody here today who's just desperate for Jesus. Maybe internally you just feel that. Or maybe your circumstances have led you to a place where you're in a dry and a weary land. And you just need Jesus. And some of these other unreliable sources, they're just not going to do it. They're just not going to quench the thirst the way that only Jesus can. Give me Jesus. You can have this world. Just give me Jesus. Amen. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. I need Jesus in my life to quench my thirst, a wellspring of life stirring up inside of me today. We got to recognize our dependence upon Jesus. And hopefully, see, if I was a little, you know, 
healthier, maybe a little more wise in my decision making, right? I'd be more proactive with going to the water, right? And some of y'all are great at that. I know there's some good water drinkers in here, you know, like y'all are just on top of it. You, you get your daily, you know, quota, whatever that is, you know what I mean? You get it and you nail it and you've got maybe some big jug that you carry with you. You're lugging it into work. <laughs> I got my water, right? And you're going to the bathroom so many times throughout the day. And you're getting your water. And I'm, that's, that's great. That's great. That's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's how we should be spiritually. It's like, come on, Jesus. I've got my Jesus. I've got my Holy Spirit with me today. I'm making sure the priority that I'm, I'm drinking from the well that is life. I'm drinking from the well that is spirit inside of me. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. I just need Jesus. Since the beginning, God has been offering water to humanity when humans find themselves in times of need. He has a habit of meeting us in broken places, meeting us in the place of our thirst, meeting us in the place of our dependency. Not looking to shame us, not looking to judge us, but looking to meet us in the place of our thirst, to dwell with us, to invite us to water. He has a habit of meeting us, meeting us in the ruins. In Genesis, God provides a spring of life, right? He creates a spring of life, and humans lose access to this water of life because, well, there's just this need for control and and for wisdom. And so God now needs to rescue them. And and we even see God establishing his people and through Jacob, right, and through, through, through Israel, right? He's establishing his people. But even Jacob's own selfishness in the Bible ruins these plans for this family that God has created And God's people keep thirsting for more control. All this to quench thirst on their own terms. And Ezekiel, the prophet, he even prophesies that one day God will create a new Eden and a new heaven with a new life source. So we have this Jesus in John 4 who goes to a well. A well that Jacob owned. Meets a woman. Offers her water to quench her thirst forever. And he's not talking about the water in that well He's not talking about a natural water. It's a water of spirit. It's God's own life coming from Jesus to us. The life that God's been wanting to put in his people since the beginning. Jesus later in the book of John says in John chapter chapter 7 verse 37... On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Let the one who believes in me drink. As the the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart, I shall flow rivers of living water. This is the God who said to the Israelites in Isaiah 44 verse 3, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit out upon your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. This is the God that then says in Isaiah chapter 58, a time when Israel's history, uh, when the Jews were returning from exile to their desecrated land that had long been experiencing a time of war and drought and famine and death. And God calls the people to repentance and he promises restoration. And in verse nine of chapter 58, he says, if you remove the yoke from among, from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places. If somebody today maybe find themselves in a parched place, 
He will make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to live in. God makes a promise. And we see Jesus carrying out this promise to be this wellspring of life. You know, it's interesting, this week that we're in, as I was thinking about it, I said, oh no, this week looked a lot different two years ago. Two years ago, we were, we were having to make some decisions around here, right? And all of a sudden, many of us were listening to a message in our homes. And the pandemic's hit. And we've scattered, right? And we feel scattered. Maybe slightly, but definitely not quite like the, the Israelites did in exile. Scattered. Maybe, maybe the feeling that they had wandering through the wilderness looking for the promised land. What's happening? What's, what's going on? And you know, not only is this two years since the pandemic, it's one year since being back in this sanctuary because we met in the gym for a while. And so this wandering, this wilderness, and here we are and we're back in here. And if we're not careful, we can glean nothing from what maybe God has been trying to teach us these last couple of years in this last year in the wilderness in the disruption, in the different kind of circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we can get back in here in the comfort of this place and go back to our unreliable sources. But I, I just so think that Jesus would want us to hone in on the well that is a wellspring of life. A well that is within. True worship, spirit, and in truth. What am I getting at? This right here. This church service. This Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. This ain't the well. This is not the well. The small group, it ain't the well. Right? Your prayer group, it's not the well. It's not the well. This church service, it's not the well. Jesus is the well. The well is within. And this church service brings me to the well. This church service gives me a place to commune with other people where I can worship. And we can, and we can uh, celebrate the one that is the well. And, and be encouraged towards the well. And my prayer group and my small group is hoping to be taking me deeper into the well. But it's not the well. And I can't replace the well. Right? Because I can't have the well plus other things. Right? No, I need the well. I need Jesus to satisfy, and only in the ways only Jesus can satisfy. So if I'm looking for life, it's Jesus. If I'm looking to quench my thirst, it's Jesus. See, I've been going to church my whole life, not just part of my life, but my whole life, like born into it, right? Born on a Sunday, September 3rd, 1989, right? Been in this church 
minus two and a half years that I was in Athens where I attended one church while I was in Athens, I've attended this church, two churches my entire life that I've, I've attended. And, and I haven't had a period of my life where I didn't attend church, right? I mean, yeah, there's been some Sundays where I've been sick, or, but even when I'm traveling, I try to go to a church. And so I, I've, been, I've been in some church. I mean, you know, as a kid, we had revival services in the gym, and it wasn't just Sunday morning church. It was Sunday night church and Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And we're having these revival services. And as a kid, I'm thinking, what, how long is it going to take? Are we not revived yet? I mean, what do we, how many more of these do we have to do? When... These guys, guys, I just, just want to go home and ride my bike, you know. And, and as a teenager, I started learning instruments, and, and I was like, well, I would really love to play on the worship team. And so, you know, they let me sit on, in, in the back corner in a chair with my little guitar, and I didn't plug in. You couldn't hear me. But I was back there, right? And so there I am as a teenager showing up here every week at 8.30 for worship band practice, probably back then about 8.35, 8.40, um, running a little bit late, teenager, sleeping in too long. And ever since then, even till now, 8.30, every week, coming to church, because I love it. I mean, I just love to serve God. I love, I love to be with God's people. I love to be in this place. And that's just been me. That's been my story, right? That's, that, that's me, and I love it, right? So I understand the, I'm trying to let you know, I understand the importance of this, right? I've, I've, I've done a lot of this, a lot of this, as I'm sure there's some of you who have well, right? Week after week, week after week, week after week. but it's not the well. And I come here and I've experienced the well. But here, just go with me. I can take my attendance in this place and I can say, well, I've been in church my whole life. I've been serving on the worship team since I was a teenager. It's no substitute for the experience of the well that is Jesus in his spirit being poured out and received. I can't elevate this above him. This is where I come to elevate him, right? To remind myself of my need and my dependency towards him, to celebrate the goodness. And so as I survey the world, as I survey my own life filled with question marks, my mind may be tired, my heart may be wounded, uh, my, my soul may be thirsty, right? My body may be tired, but there is a well. Salvation has been poured out, a wellspring of life made available to us. And I don't have to make a pilgrimage to a well. This well is within through the Holy Spirit that Jesus has made available to us. And just as Jesus took the unconventional route to Samaria, he takes this route to each and every single one of us. See, there's this well within through the Holy Spirit, and I can tap in to this well. I could tap in. I can rest by this well. My soul can be refreshed by this well. And so just as Jesus, he takes this unconventional route to Samaria. Some of us are thinking, now, Jesus, if he's going from Judea to Galilee, he's going to go around me. 
He's going to go, Jesus doesn't want to be associated with me. It's why some people maybe have a hard time showing up to church on Sunday morning. No, I can't go there, right? Oh, if you only knew, right? And some of us feel maybe looked over and like Jesus is just traveling right around us. I'm here to tell you today that just as Jesus made it a point to go straight right into Samaria to this well to talk to this Samaritan woman, he says to each and every single one of us today, I am here for you. There is nothing that I am trying to skirt around or, or trying to gloss over with you. I am here for you, to, to, to be with you, to dwell with you. And so Jesus is not looking to condemn. He's only looking to highlight need. He waits for us today ready to accept us, ready to refresh us. And so what picture do we need to leave behind? Because the woman in all of her excitement, she says, I forgot why I even came here. Just drops her picture. She came to this well to get water in the natural that she needs. She leaves the picture behind to go tell of this well that she has found in Jesus is there a picture that you've been carrying that you need to set down today, that you need to leave behind? What unreliable sources of life have we been trusting in that aren't Jesus? It's Jesus. Jesus is closer than we think. And for those of us, no matter where we find ourselves, by our own fault, by the fault of those around us, by the situation, the circumstances of life, maybe there's some things that have left you dry and weary, in need of your thirst to be quenched in your soul. And so maybe we could take an honest assessment of where our soul is today. See, I'm choosing to worship Jesus in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth, I'm tapping into the well of life found in Jesus. I'm tapping into Jesus. He's the well of life. Spirit and the truth. I'm worshiping Jesus. And that's not confined to this space. I'm grateful for all of my experience in worship and I'm grateful for the times where we get to sing and we get to have instruments and I got to play drums today. So I'm a little extra fired up. There's a worship that transcends anything in the natural we could come up with. It's spirit and truth. And some of you have felt it before. You've been driving in your car and it just hits you. And there ain't nothing, it's just silence. You're walking through your house. Oh, Jesus, there you are. It's the Holy Spirit at work inside of you. A type of worship where I, I loved it last week, I got to lead worship, and there was a time in, 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 the, in the service where, where it just died down and, and there was no singing, and maybe it was just holding a chord on the piano, and I could just hear this worship in the room. It's like, well, Lord, this doesn't make no sense, right? We're not singing some chorus, there's no words on the screen, but there's this worship taking place. It's spirit and truth, it's tapping into the well. It's bubbling up out of you in a way that says, Jesus, I need you, and I worship you, and I vocalize my need and dependence upon you, Jesus, Jesus, 
Jesus come. So we're going to celebrate communion today. And this is a good day to do it. And as we do, as, as, as the elements are being passed out, Sam's going to lead us in a song. And I want you guys to take this time, take this singing moment to lean in for a moment. Please don't just let it pass you by. And Maybe acknowledge the areas of your life where you need Jesus to come and be the center of it. Jesus, come and push out some things that I've made primary. Jesus, push out some things that I've placed priority over you, God. And God, I thank you that today, see, here's what's important, is is if we have a shame perspective, if we have a guilt-ridden perspective, we're coming, Jesus, I'm sorry, right? Just like we maybe look at the woman at the well with kind of like, ooh, Jesus calling her out. Jesus is not looking to call you out. He's not looking to point to your complicated life. Jesus is looking to highlight your need for his life. So there's no shame today. There's just openness that is the beauty and the glory of our gracious Jesus who crosses every line, every barrier, every wall. No reservations today. Amen? No walls today. Let them down. And let Jesus in. Let him become the sinner. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Jesus. We love you and we celebrate you, Father God. And as the elements are passed out today, God, we take assessment over our soul, Jesus, and we sing to you, Father. In your name we pray.